Blog Talk Radio. Glamour, fearless, Diva Talk Radio. One, two, three. Because I'm ready to welcome you to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek, and I'd like to help empower you to manage your diabetes with confidence, knowledge, and inspiration. My guests for the next hour include the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, poet Lorraine Brooks, Mama Rosemary, author Kim Boykin, and DJ turned comedian Tom Ragu. Tonight, we're talking about stages. From backstage to onstage and every stage of life in between, the question is, how happy are you with the stage of life you're in right now? Happiness expert Dr. Robert Holden says that the key to being happy is overcoming destination addiction. That's when you're always chasing after the next best thing. You promise yourself that when you get there, you'll be happy. But when you arrive at your destination, you're not happy because you're always you're setting another destination to go for. I'm definitely guilty of chasing after the next best thing. And unfortunately, I only re- recently became aware of it. Back in February, I was recognized by Pumpware Inc. as an inspiration in the world of diabetes, which truly is an honor. However, my first reaction was, what? I haven't really done anything to deserve this. And uh, I was shrugging it off when I caught myself and realized I just wasn't taking the time to acknowledge what I had accomplished. I was so focused on trying to get to some new fundraiser, meet a new sponsor, take it to the next level, that I wasn't stopping really to smell the roses. The more I thought about it, the more grateful I became for all the highs and even the lows in our DivaBag history. I had a little more pep to my step, and I finally just allowed myself to relax and think of all the amazing people, new friends, and moments I've had sharing my dazzling brand of diabetes outreach with everyone. I think what I gained overall was just a peace of mind, and I'm just so grateful that I really stopped and thought about that. And I, and I uh, believe what Dr. Holden says, that if you're unhappy with your life, there's certain things you could do about it. First, you could let go of the past. Stop replaying all the mistakes you've made. For me, it was looking back at why we didn't get this funding, why we, we were turned down for this, and start thinking about the things that you have done. And also take a vow of kindness. Be kinder to yourself and to others. For me, I think it was just a, it was just a matter of telling myself that I had accomplished something and that I was being recognized for what we had done. Maybe it wasn't what I had hoped it would be, but on certain levels, it was certainly something that I should have stopped and recognized a long time ago. So on behalf of Diva Beck and all the people I work with, I want them to know how grateful I am to have them in my life. And I'm certainly so thrilled that you're turning in tonight and listening to this podcast. Because the truth is, we all have limits and we all make mistakes. But by recognizing this and accepting it, you'll see yourself with greater compassion. And it's never too late to be happy, which is why we're spotlighting the Australian feel-good movie, The Sapphires, tonight. One of our fabulous Diabetes Late Night listeners from Sydney, Australia, can you believe it? We're popular in Sydney, named Darlene, wrote to me and said, can you dedicate a show to my favorite film of last year, The Sapphires? I absolutely love, 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 love all the sequence, sparkle, and sisterhood depicted in the film. The music's great. It makes me happy every time I watch it. Well, Darlene from Down Under, I hope you're enjoying tonight's show because we're playing lots of the songs from the Sapphire soundtrack, courtesy of Sony Music. 
Stay tuned because I'm going to be playing one of your favorites later on in the podcast. Do you have a diva who inspires you? Send your request to me at mrdivabedic at gmail.com or join our Divabetic Facebook community. Now, I agree with Darlene that The Sapphires is a sure-fire, feel-good film. I watched it twice and loved it both times. This Australian musical drama is inspired by a real-life story about a soul-singing quartet compromised of four Aborigine women, all sisters, who performed for the U.S. troops during the Vietnam War. The Sapphires represent sisterhood, sequence, and everything we love that makes each stage of our diabetes life shine. Before we get things started, I'd like to encourage you to show your support for our dazzling brand of diabetes outreach by donating today at divabag.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Did you know the Sapphires won 11 awards from the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts, including Best Director, Best Lead Actress, Best Lead Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Adopted Screenplay, and Best Film? I think you better get the DVD now. I can't help myself from playing another song. Diabetes Life, inspired by the Sapphires. Now it's time to welcome my first guest. Of course, you know her as my favorite poet. She's also a talk show host and a jewelry designer. Please welcome Lorraine Brooks. Hi, Max. Hi, Lorraine. How are you? I'm good. You know, before the show, I was really thinking a lot about the different stages we go through in our lives, and I have to be honest with you. I am at that stage right now where I really want winter to be over. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think I you and everybody else. I've been for a shovel, and it's, East Coast, so much, yeah. and it's just too much lately, right? Indeed. And I'm a winter person. I like winter, but this has just been a little bit too much. Well, you know, for a lot of people, I've been doing research. They're not really happy with the stage of life they're in, so I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm just curious, like, how do you feel about what stage of life you're in right now? Well, Max, I'll tell you, um, I feel very good about the stage of life I'm in right now. I don't mind saying that I just turned 62, and um, 62 was a, a little bit of an eye-opener for me because the first thing I thought was, wow, I, I could collect Social Security now, and that was a, a little bit of an eye-opener. But you know what? I turn around and I look at the last 62 years, and I have to, I'm really happy at where I've what I've learned and where I've gotten to and the things that make me happy now, which are much simpler than the things that made me happy 20 years ago. I'm really happy with the simplest of things today. And um, I think that age and experience kind of does that for you. I'm also very happy that I've, I've survived with diabetes for over 30 years, and I couldn't say that if I wasn't 62. And um, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm very happy with this phase of life, and I'm looking forward to enjoying it and moving on to the next phase, whatever that is. No, I, you know, I, I love to hear that. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it, too. But, you know, it's so funny because age and stage rhyme, and so many people, if they hate, they hate the stages of their life because it means they're getting older. And like you referenced, you know, you admitting your age, people just – are very comfortable about this idea of getting older today. And I think it, it really dis, you know, it, it gives them this kind of preconceived disconnection with just wanting to go on in the different stages of their life, you know. And you, when you were watching the Oscars last week, which, like I know you were, Absolutely. everyone was talking a lot about Kim Novak and the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, what happened? Why does she look the way she is? Why do women fight their age? And, you know, this is a real issue for people. And I think, you know, if you, if you really are denying your age, then it really does stop you from really um, embracing a different stage of life that you might be entering. 
And I, I also think that if you deny your age, you, you're taking uh, hope and empowerment away from other people. Because if they can look at me and say, wow, she's 62 and she's still hanging in, you know, and she can still do a little Watusi around the living room here, um, then, you know, it's okay to be 62. And I'm very fortunate that I had some really powerful older women in my life. My mother lived to be 96. And until the day wow. she died, she had a cell phone and an iPad and she was driving. And, um, uh, you know, so I have really good role models in my life and I'm not about to, to turn down the volume just yet. No, I love it. And, you know, coming up later in the show, I'm going to be talking to the Charlie's Angels of Outreach about the different stages people may experience after being diagnosed with diabetes. But right now, you're going to share a poem that encapsulates our theme for tonight. Well, Max, thank you. My, the name of my poem for tonight is My Stages on Stage. A wise man said the world's a stage and all of us are players. We cover up and hide away disguising all our layers. I ask myself, which stage suits me? Which role will I be doing? For all the roles are possible, and all are worth pursuing. When I was on my infant stage, I crawled along the ground. Sometimes I cried or screamed or laughed. Sometimes I made no sound. My toddler stage was filled with growth, the part I played was royal. I dressed in lace and taffeta. I was a little goyal. In kindergarten on my stage were crayons, books, and pencils, along with balls and jumping ropes and other such essentials. Along the way, I found I had a gift for art and writing. And so in high school, I was on a stage that was very exciting. Then on to college, where I played the part of becoming adult, where I learned a lot and I matured, and I'm happy with the result. The stage I'm on now, as I look around, is one of age and experience, where I am defined by what I do and by my guts and perseverance, where I can survive what comes along, the changes, adjustments, and such, the stage where people's opinions of me don't seem to matter as much. As life goes on, we live and learn, growing and staying aware, accepting our limitations, and treating our bodies with care. So play the lead in your own life, be it Ophelia or Don Juan. Love it, embrace it, and forge ahead, whatever stage you are on. Thank you, Wow, Max. Lorraine, incredible. And I really appreciate the fact that you referenced being on stage in your poem because coming up later in the show, uh, we're going to have DJ turned comedian Tom Ragu, who actually has made his diabetes part of his stage routine. So this is kind of all encapsulating everything that's going on tonight. Uh, I love the message in that poem. Thank you, Max. I appreciate all of your comments, and I'm so looking forward to the show tonight. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show, Lorraine. And we'll be posting Lorraine's fabulous blog, uh, poem on our blog tomorrow at divabeg.org, so don't miss that. Coming up, everybody, my next guest has gone through many stages in the past year. She's gone from being an avid reader to becoming a first-time published author, and now she's just released her second book, Steal Me Cowboy. She's also uh, a advocate for diabetes because she inspired me to create the Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance campaign. campaign. Please welcome Kim Boykin. Hello, Kim. How are you? I'm good. Are you happy with what stage of life you're in right now? Oh, honey, I just told somebody today, I don't think I've ever been happier in my life. Um, I, uh, uh, I came out this writing thing I'd always written um, and tried to get published, but really didn't get at it until, uh, or didn't get lucky enough to get published until I was uh, 55. I turned 55 when my book came out, and I am just riding up a storm and having a blast. I love it. You know, there's so many listeners out there who have big dreams. I know writing is a, a huge dream for so many people. 
What really made you go from being, I know you always wrote and you were part of a writing group and everything. What made you really push it out there and actually go after it? I'm just curious, like what would you tell someone right now listening who, who, would, who has that same dream? Well, what I would tell them is that there's so many possibilities now uh, if you want to publish, um, it, whether you want to traditionally publish or self-publish. But I think the thing that's most important is to keep keep doing it and keep getting better and, and don't give up. If, you're, if you decide to go the self-publishing route, which is huge and, 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 and is very viable, a lot of traditionally published authors are going that route. Um, uh, these days, and then you have there's just so many possibilities, and it's probably the best time in history to be a writer just because of that. I love it, and there's actually a great way for anyone who wants to write to find out more about the publishing world and and help out with a good cause because your good friend Brenda Novak every year has an annual auction, and I know uh, some of the prizes are pretty amazing for people who want to be authors. Can you just tell us a little bit about it? Oh, I'd love to, and I can plug a, uh, I have a beach house in, at the Isle of Palms in Charleston uh, that I donated a long weekend to. It uh, sleeps 12, so if anybody's looking, um, get on Brenda Novak's auction. And uh, uh, But for, as far as writers go, there are so many things. You can have an agent look at your manuscript. You can have an editor look at your manuscript. If you're a fan, you can go to, um, you can have lunch or dinner with some of your favorite authors. Uh, you can, you can, um, you can bid on a chance to become a character in someone's book, or your Anna, or your dog or cat can become a character in someone's book. Brenda Novak has such a heart for diabetes research because of her son, and she just devotes the whole month of May to this auction, and there are so many fabulous things on there, not just for writers, but for everyone. All right, and we're going to be posting that on the blog as well, listeners, so stay tuned for that more on either our Facebook page or at divabeck.org. Okay, let's get to the hot, hot, hot um, book that I'm reading right now, which is Steal Me Cowboy. It's your latest book. I love that the lead character is a hairdresser, you know, glamour, fearless philosophy. Kind of makes me think of your last book, which I really enjoyed, The Wisdom of Hair. Rainy is an interesting character. Uh, she's from Columbus, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, She's been in a relationship, and uh, so you could correct me along the way, but I want to see if I can remember because I haven't gotten all the way up to the book. But her her boyfriend is a is a baseball player, and correct. Um, she's chasing after him because now she wants a commitment. Right, right. Rainy has uh, for four years she's been waiting for this guy to pick her up for baseball, and she's been to all those silly weddings for the hell's a but the baseball bats over the bride and groom, and some of those weddings make it and some of them don't, but at least that girl got to walk down the aisle. And she thinks she loves the, um, Adam and uh, and that uh, and that he's the guy, and uh, she loses her job, which is a big change uh, in life, and she decides she's uh, he's gotten a new job out in uh, um, Montana in Missoula as a um, a minor league baseball coach. So she decides to go out to Montana uh, to basically give him an ultimatum, to put a ring on it or let her go. And uh, along the way, her uh, piece of crap car breaks down, and she meets Beck Hartnett, who uh, for me is the perfect man because he's uh, he he's he's a chef. <laughs> He's a chef and a restaurateur. I just think that that would be a wonderful, and um, and and he immediately falls for her and um, and steals her heart. And I think she falls for her for him too. But uh, but I think she's a little too proud to admit it. But it's a fun story, and yeah, it's about figuring out. You know, I, I guess it's kind of what you were talking about early on. You know. It's high time I do fill in the blank. And, and for Rainey, it was high time that she, you know, got uh, deci- decided what the next step was in her life. Was it, was it with Adam or was it with somebody else? But whatever it was, it was going to be her first step, her next step. You know, and it could be really therapeutic for people to read these books and see characters going through different stages in their life and being confronted with quick changes, like you said, about losing jobs in order to kind of adjust oh, sure. to the changes going on in their life. So how could people get the book? 
Okay, it is available on Amazon. It is an ebook. So if you have a iPad and you, and you don't have a Kindle uh, or a or any kind of tablet, you can download the Amazon app and then you can uh, purchase it on Kindle. I think it's two ninety nine right now. Uh, it's a novella. It's not a full length novel. It's a novella. Mm-hmm. It's about a hundred and I don't know thirty five pages, something like that. Uh, but it's a fun story, and uh, and and it's just a blast. And yeah, there's a there's a little bit of a message in there that, you know, there comes a time in your life when you just have to go out and get what you want. I love it. I'm waiting for the next snow day in New York, which could be happening at the end of the week to finish it off, actually. But in the meantime, you've also got another book coming out, which is going to be part of our Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance campaign. Tell everyone about your next book coming out. Absolutely. Uh, the next book in, uh, comes out August 5th from Penguin. It's called Palmetto Moon, and it's the story of Veda Hadley, a Charleston Society, high society runaway bride, and she escapes the night before a wedding, and she runs away to a little crossroads community out in the country and falls for a guy who owns a diner. And then her um, powerful father finds her and tries to make her uh, marry the wrong guy. It's, um, it's set in 1947, and it is delightful. It was so much fun to write. I love it. I can't wait. Well, thanks for being on the show tonight. Have a good night, Kim. Thanks, Max. All right, everybody. If you love that idea of the diva drama in Kim Boykin's latest book coming out later this summer, Get ready to meet my Charlie's Angels of Outreach. They're three of the smartest and sexiest educators from around the country. I finally refer to as the Charlie's Angels of Outreach. Ooh la la. That's right. I've got Neva White from Philadelphia. Hi, Neva. Hi, Max. I've got Patricia. How are you? I'm good. I've got Patricia Addy Gentle from Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Hi, Patricia. Hi, Max. How are you? Better now that you're on the show. And from Cleveland, Ohio, and the Diabetes Partnership of Cleveland, we've got Mary Ann Horst Nikolai. Hello, Mary Ann. Hey, Max. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Mary Ann, you're going through some interesting stages in your life because I know this was kind of uh, jockeying to get you on the show tonight. You're so busy. You're going back to school, are you not? I am, yes, I'm almost finished with school. I have just a couple more things to do, and then I'll be done. And, and what, what, what is it like going back to school? Um, it's actually a lot of fun. I was thinking the other day as I was walking across campus how much I'm going to miss not being there. Um, it's a lot of work, but, you know, sometimes when you get older and you go back to school or you start to do something different, you really know what you want, and you know what you have to do to get there, and so you don't mind the ride so much. So... I'm really having a good time. And Neva, you recently went back and became a, you got your degree as a nurse practitioner, correct? I actually got my doctorate in nursing. I'm sorry, your doctorate. So what was that like for you to enter that stage? Oh, it wasn't easy. It was hard, but it was well worth it. And I mean, what kind of advice do you give people who are contemplating going back to school after the age of 30? Well, I think you have to really want to do it. It's something that you do for yourself, not necessarily for any other reason. You kind of just do it because it's something you want to do and you try to get your life as organized as possible and get the support of your family. I think that's essential. All right, good advice. All right, well, listen, ladies, I don't know if you heard this, but, you know, our March Diva Inspiration are the sapphires and its feet and the sapphires is a fictional i mean they're that's a real life group of women but in the movie it's played by four actresses and one of them happened to be jessica malboy who was an australian r&b and pop singer songwriter actress who first rose to fame as runner-up on american australian idol excuse me before so before we kicked off hot topics i thought we would play this little ditty from the movie You know, 
it's all about separating fact from fiction when it comes to diabetes. In my opinion, there's so much chaos out there. You have to really trust the sources you're talking to to get the information straight, which is why I love to have certified diabetes educators like these three amazing women on our podcast each month. Neva, I'm starting with you because I really want to talk about some of the stages people go through in, in with their diabetes care. And one of the big ones that we never really have had a chance to talk about is what happens to kidneys for people with diabetes. So you're going to walk us through the different stages that people may experience regarding their kidneys and their kidney health. Thanks, Max. Well, first of all, diabetes and high blood pressure are really the two leading causes of kidney disease. And just like with anything else, knowing what stage you are in this uh, journey of chronic kidney disease is essential for us to treat you. And kidney disease can start with stage one, which is a mild sort of uh, indication that there's something going on with your kidneys. But really, the staging of kidney disease uh, has to do with us looking at a few things. And one of the things that we want to look at, and this is a test that everyone should be getting, is something called your glomerular filtration rate. And that really lets us know how well your kidneys are working. We also take into consideration your blood level of creatinine. And creatinine is really a, uh, a byproduct or a waste product of muscle activity. We also want to look at age, uh, your gender, and your race. So the various stages of kidney disease, starting with stage one all the way to stage five, which is in stage renal disease. So throughout each of those stages, stage one and two being a little bit more of the milder kidney damage, in stage one you do have some uh, indication of kidney disease, which we may see in doing a, what we call a spot urinalysis, where we look for protein in the urine. So that's a test that we do. But during stage one, your glomerular infiltration rate or how well your kidneys are functioning is still pretty normal. And as you advance to stage two, we begin to see a decrease in that kidney function. Stage three and stage four, we begin to see some of the side effects. Uh, your body actually starts to manifest some negative uh, results of kidney disease. Which could be what? I'm Which just curious. Be, well, people could have swelling. They could have uh, increased fatigue, which is really a hard one because sometimes the symptoms could even be similar to those of a high blood sugar. Uh, your urine itself could have a frosty appearance to it. It could be very dark. You could have a decrease in urination. A person could be very sleepy or they could have problems sleeping. Uh, they could have swelling. They could have shortness of breath. It's, it's, it's a very uh, sort of kind of uh, vague symptoms, and sometimes people don't have them at all until they're at the point of severe kidney damage. So it's very important. This is one of those kind of health maintenance things that we want to make sure that our kidneys are uh, intact. Also, you have to make sure you're monitoring your blood pressure because high blood pressure is another um, major risk factor for kidney disease. Can I ask you a question? Uh, is it progressive? I mean, if you, are, if you do catch your kidney, if you catch this early, like in stage one or stage two, can, it be, can you stop right there? Or is this something that once you start to develop this kind of uh, failure with your kidneys that it's just going to progress to stage five? We have found that if we can identify it early, if we can identify you in stage one and stage two, we can do some things. We can work with your diet. We can give you some medications, particularly if you have high blood pressure. We can uh, try our best to try to work on your blood pressure. So there are a lot of things that we can do if we catch you in the early stages. So there is a lot that we can do to possibly prevent a person from ever getting in stage renal disease. All right. Well, thank you so much. Patricia, let's move on. Uh, t later on tonight, we're going to be talking to Tom Ragu. He's a DJ turned comedian. He has an amazing story about just a health transformation he went through uh, earlier, la later last year in June. I want to talk about that moving from stage of pre-diabetes to, to uh, full-blown diabetes. Uh, tell us a little bit about what pre-diabetes is and then uh, what, what changes in your diagnosis to make you go from pre-diabetes to diabetes. Okay. Well, uh, Max, with prediabetes, the American Diabetes Association defines that as having a fasting blood glucose level 
of 100 through 125. And once a person, and you know, fasting blood sugar level means that your blood was drawn before you have eaten, before you drank anything or put anything in your mouth that has sugar content. So uh, fasting blood sugar of 126, 125 or greater, meaning 126 or above, would be um, uh, diabetes. Prediabetes is 100 through 125. So once that threshold crosses over to 126 or greater, then we will diagnose a person with diabetes. The I've heard that range, you could be living with symptoms of diabetes for eight years before you're actually uh, diagnosed with it. Is that true? And that is true. A lot of people with type 2 diabetes have had it for a long time before they're ever diagnosed. And so at this point, when people have prediabetes or they're going and, you know, in that stage of prediabetes, it really is an opportunity here, right? To, there's a fork in the road. You could go left or That's right. True. You could go healthy. You know, you could, you could actually prevent this, the diagnosis, correct? Or, or you true. could develop diabetes. So what, do you, what kind of advice can you give people who are kind of, you know, maybe they're listening right now and they're kind of curious uh, if they're even living with prediabetes, how should they look at that kind of uh, stage of life? Well, prediabetes actually sets the stage for us to get it together and to start some healthier lifestyle um, in interventions. Uh, the recognition of prediabetes is critical, and now with the uh, early testing, early earlier screening, um, we can prevent or decrease the risk of progression to full-blown diabetes. So when we identify those individuals with prediabetes, it offers the opportunity to modify their risk prior to developing those significant types of uh, comorbidities and um, symptoms that diabetes brings on. So we would start by doing lifestyle changes, weight loss, some, um, you know, most people with prediabetes are overweight, not everybody, but most are. We change the way we eat. We change the way we move. We, you know, create more activity into our lifestyle. All right, and Marianne, uh, you're the leader of the Diva Better Club at the Partnership of Cleveland. And you've right. been talking to all types of women, both type 1, type 2. We both know from as much outreach as we've done over the years that moving from a stage of prediabetes to a stage of being diagnosed with diabetes is not one that people like. It's usually has a lot of disbelief, anger, disappointment going on. How, how can people transition into this stage and actually come out happier and healthier? Well, when people transition from prediabetes to diabetes, um, what I'm seeing with a lot of the divas in, or people in our um, three other empowerment groups is that um, they kind of blame themselves. Well, I should have done something, and now I brought this on myself. And um, we try to work with that and, you know, let's deal with what's on our plate now. Can't look back and change what's in the past. Let's look what's on our plate now and then move forward. And so we try to do that with the, um, with the empowerment groups. We try to get past the denial, get past the confusion, get past some of those things. And um, that's why coming to the empowerment groups is so important for so many folks, that they just like to be around people that are in the same boat they're in, and um, to be able to learn in just a nice, relaxed, quiet, calm, sometimes calm atmosphere, but just a fun, supportive atmosphere. It's easier for some people to learn that way or to just take a breath and say, okay, this is where I am. I, I need to move from here. Well, I think it's it's also providing that forum for people to actually admit that they're blaming themselves. And I know, Neva, you run the Diva Better Club in Philadelphia, obviously, you, we've seen it with women as well as men too, right? Giving them that opportunity, like Marianne said, to have a safe place to kind of admit some of the anxiety or self-blame associated with being diagnosed with diabetes. Oh, definitely. And then also too, I think that people feel that they're not alone and some of the things that they're struggling with, other people are struggling with, and they get to hear how other people have sort of faced some of these challenges and how they chose to solve some of the problems. So it's always good to be around other people who are experiencing some of the same things you are experiencing. 
Right. Well, thanks, Angels. I really appreciate it tonight. Uh, it's time to play Darlene from Down Under's favorite song from the Sapphire soundtrack. This song was originally recorded by En Vogue and salt and Peppa, for, but for the movie, it was giving a 60s makeover. Let's take a listen. Yes, it's that time to meet our featured guest. He's a DJ turned comedian. His name's Tom Ragu, and he lives right here in New York City. Hi, Tom. Hi, man. Okay, so Hello. what you don't know, Tom, is that traditionally we play Pass the Boa, but because you're a dude and not a diva, we had to find a song for you tonight. So we appreciate the Sapphire soundtrack, courtesy of Sony Music, for helping us out with your theme song tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Well, you could have played She Works Hot for the Money, because I do. <laughs> That's right. We're going to be talking about you're a lifelong fan of Donna Summer, and uh, we dedicated a show to her last year, I think our December show, which you'll have to hear where I interviewed Christian Wilkane, who's a, TV, uh, I'm sorry, a, a music journalist who told us about um, her career. Um, but I want to talk right now a little bit about your story living with diabetes, because I mentioned it earlier when I was talking to the angels about pre-diabetes to diabetes. Take us back to June of last year and what was going on with you. Well, you know, I was feeling, first of all, thank you for having me on the show, and thank you for doing the show, because I really do think that this is an incredible uh, public service for uh, so many people, and it, there really is nothing like it out there, and I just wanted to, to say that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, in June of, uh, of last year, I had been feeling sluggish and tired. I would fall asleep after meals. Um, I was extremely thirsty. I was going to the bathroom constantly, and I just knew that this is not normal, like this is not right. And, I, you know, I'm very in tune with my body. I meditate, I visualize, I chant. And so I know, I knew that this was not uh, how I should be feeling, and this is not how I used to feel. And so I went to the uh, doctor. You know, at that point I was um, tremendously overweight. I was about, I would say, 150 pounds overweight. And, uh, and so... Having diabetes was always something that I, uh, you know, I knew could happen. I, um, every time I would uh, have a doctor's visit, I would ask, so how is my blood sugar? And they would always say normal, normal, normal. And, uh, and they would say, which is surprising for someone your size, which always made me feel great. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, in June, so I went in June, June 18th to be exact, and I had uh, a test done. They first did the, the rapid response test, mm -hmm. and my glucose level at that, at that moment was 398, which is very, very, very high. And, uh, and then they did a, a blood test in A1C, which, you know, I think we went back a week later, and, uh, you know, they, it, it was confirmed that I actually did have diabetes. And so that's what, uh, that's what happened, and that was... That was uh, a, a tremendous wake-up call for me because it was at that moment uh, that I said to myself, well, uh, today everything must change, so I must change everything. And it was really like the beginning of a whole new process for me. And so what did you start changing when you say you changed everything? Well, um, I went out, well, I actually went on online and uh, purchased the book called uh, Diabetes for Dummies, uh, which is very similar to those computer books that, that, that are out mm -hmm. there, you know. Was it helpful? And it, it was extremely helpful, and I, and I highly recommend it because it broke down uh, all the medical terms and all the terminology that's out there in very simple terms that an everyday uh, human being or stand-up comedian could understand. And um, it explained the complexities of, of diabetes in, in a very uh, easy-to-read and easy-to-understand way. And I did, miraculously, uh, what I had tried to do but always failed, 
uh, for years and years and years. And that was on that day I gave up sugar, potatoes, starch, cake, cookies, ice cream, donuts, candy, pizza, bread, rice, uh, all of it. And uh, in one week uh, when I went back to the, uh, to the doctor to, to get the results of the A1C test, and then talk about a course of treatment and see uh, an endocrinologist and nutritionist and, uh, and do the whole thing that you do, I lost 17 pounds in one week. That, I must tell you, was all the inspiration that I needed. Right, since, I can believe that. And since June, I've uh, lost uh, 62, 63 pounds. And, uh, and so I'm still... For giving you a standing ovation for that. That's pretty Thank incredible. You. Now, you were, I want to be honest, I want to just clarify something. You were talking to a nutritionist, you were under a doctor, you were working with your doctor around creating a health plan that would work for you, correct? You did mention that. Yes, yes, yes. So you, you were I, being monitored through this, because some, some of what you're saying, I think, and we'll ask the angels in a little bit, but it, it, I mean, those are huge uh, behavioral modifications to a lifestyle. I just want to tell people who are listening that if you're going to attempt something like that, you should be talking to your healthcare team in order to do yeah. that. I'm sure the angels would agree with me. I'm just curious, though, did you stick with it? Because so many times I hear people who make these radical changes, and then they, and obviously you have stuck with it. You lost 64 pounds. So how did you, why, why do you think you stuck with it where so many other people don't? Well, you know, I have to tell you that uh, being clean and sober for 16 years uh, really helped. Um, you know, I am I am part of a 12-step uh, program for alcohol mm -hmm. and drugs, and and um, I think that having the discipline that's required to stay clean and sober one day at a time helped me curb uh, my food uh, addiction uh, one day at a time as well, because. You know, I have to say that the, the, you know, when you get clean and you get sober, uh, there still is uh, a hole in your spirit. And some people fill that hole with, uh, you know, your addiction manifests itself in other areas. And some people fill that hole with gambling and some people fill that hole with shopping. And some people fill that hole with uh, food and sugar and everything else. And, um, you know, that's, that, I must say that that is what, what I did. When I gave you mean, when up, you became clean and so sober, you switched from alcohol to some of these things that you listed earlier, the cake, the donuts, the candy? Mm -hmm, all of it. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And I slowly, over a period of time, gained 150 pounds. Okay, well, I want to ask you, because we get Divabetic often gets compared to a 12-step program. So mm -hmm. do you feel like there's any correlation between diabetes and substance you know, and, and, a, and an uh, addiction like alcohol? Well, I think that, um, you know, food addiction is an actual addiction, and, and, and uh, an addiction to sugar is an addiction, and it's really, really hard to beat. And it's, it's uh, in my opinion, harder to beat than drugs or alcohol because one does not need cocaine to live. One does not need seven drinks of an alcoholic beverage to live, but one does need food to live every day. And so giving up food, uh, uh, f poor food choices is uh, very, very uh, difficult. And I, and I don't recommend that anybody do it alone. I, I do recommend that you see a nutritionist or uh, go, go to a support group. There are 12-step programs for food addiction. Um, and, and I do recommend that, uh, that uh, a person who is uh, finding out that they are uh, pre-diabetic uh, get right on it, and and because it, it, in the beginning stages it is absolutely reversible. Well, I think that's great advice. Now I have to tell you, you did a first in diabetic history. We always love to ask the divas and dudes who's a part of their entourage. We've never had an answer like yours. The special member of your dude entourage is who? Pete Ragu, my little dog. <laughs> and how does your dog help you with your diabetes? <laughs> because we go for walks all the time. You know, if it weren't for him, I probably would be uh, watching The View and uh, and The Chew and Dr. Phil and The People's Court. I mean, I'm telling you that we just go for walks. He loves me unconditionally. He's the only man that I really, truly love. And um, and he's 
He's a great little gay dog, I must say. He is a uh, one of those designer dogs that they make in the lab with love, you know, like, <laughs> a, pug, like, a, like a puggle or a labradoodle. So he is a, a York Sean Terrier, so he's a Yorkie Bichon. All right, will you do us a favor and post a picture of Pete on our Facebook page tomorrow so everyone could see your favorite member of our entourage because it's the first time we've had a four-legged friend. I love that. Now, we mentioned that you're a huge Donna Summer fan, and you know we're going to get ready to play games in a minute. But before we do, you you and I said we could play a game together. You know so much of it. You you told me you could relate any year in – any year of Donna Summer's life that I name into a moment in Donna Summer's career, correct? Right. All roads lead back to Donna Summer. That's All roads lead back to Donna Summer. So I, I could pick a year now, and you're going to try to relate it. And, you, and for everyone listening, Tom does not know what year I'm going to pick. Either I do, do I, frankly. I'm going to go with 1979. 1979, Bear Girls was released on Casablanca Records. It was um, recorded in uh, Hollywood, and it was one of her theme albums, and it was all about, uh, believe it or not, prostitution, and uh, it it spawned a number of number one hits for her, including Hot Stuff, Bad Girls, and Demo the Lights. (laughs) I think you did pretty good on that. Yeah. I think he knows it's John Summer, people. All right. Well, guess what, Tom? We're going to get ready to play some games, but before we do... I, want, I think games are a great way to get to escape the stress of everyday life and to have some fun. So pack your bags because we're about to travel back in time. And if you don't think we could do it, guess what? I've got a little help from some of my friends called the Sapphires. Let's take a listen. extra long because I just buckled the angels into their seats in the time capsule because they're aboard with us, right? Angels, Neva, Patricia, Marianne, you're there? Yeah. Yes. You're here. Yes, you are because guess what, Hi, Tom? We're, we're going to the 70s. <laughs> Fantastic. This is Diabetes Time Machine. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three milestones from the decade of free love, recreational drugs, and psychedelic music, and you're going to have to try to put them in the correct chronological order starting with what you think happened first. If you need help, you can choose one of the angels to help you. So here are the three things. Number one, the Charlie's Angels TV show debuts on ABC starring Kate Jackson, Jacqueline Smith, and Farrah Fawcett. Number two, the A1C test is introduced. And number three, President Richard Nixon resigns from office. What happened first? And put all three in the right order. Okay, so I would say first was um, Charlie's Angels debuted. Second was uh, Richard Nixon was uh, became president, and third was the A1C test. Okay, I'd like to be honest with you, and um, I mean it's exciting to have you. You know so much about Donna Summer, uh, Donna <laughs> Summer's career in the '70s, but when it comes to this, all three were wrong. What angel okay. do you want help from? What angel? All three were wrong angels. Who are you going to pick, Neva, Marianne, or Patricia? Patricia. Oh, oh, this is the second time Patricia's gotten called on. Patricia? All right. Well, the correct answers are, um, in this order, Richard Nixon resigned from office. That was 1974. The A1C was introduced in 1975, and Charlie's Angels debut was 1976. That was okay, a tough I, one, I, I meant good. to say that. I have <laughs> dyslexia, and I really don't appreciate you making fun of my dyslexia. Now, Neva, I want to ask you a question, because, I mean, we're hearing that the A1C test came out in 1975, but since that time, 
it has really been embraced by the medical community and everyone is like a number that so many people rely on today. Can you tell everyone what it is and why it is so important to people's diabetes health? Oh, yes. The A1C test is really the test that uh, looks at how well your body can handle glucose. And what it does, it looks at the lifespan of a red blood cell. And we realize that blood cells, red blood cells travel all through the body. And at the end of its life, we can actually see how much glucose has kind of accumulated on that red blood cell. And it gives us a good, clear indication of glycemic control or how well a person can handle glucose that's been exposed to their body. So when that A1C level is high, that's an indication that the body wasn't able to handle that amount of glucose. So it's a good indication. And because we get new red blood cells uh, every about approximately every 90 to 120 days, we're able to do this test and get improved results. Or and aren't we all just results? <laughs> yeah, and we're just all thrilled with all the technology and discoveries that are available at this stage of our lives right now. So that's what Diabetes Timeline is all about. Tom, it's ready for our second game. It's Diabetes Numerology. And this is how it works. I'm going to read aloud a random blood sugar value along with a related situation. Then I'll ask you to tell us how you would deal with the situation. Next, the angels will discuss your solution and share some tips. Remember, if you're playing along with us tonight, keep in mind that one solution doesn't work for everyone. Check with your doctor to find out your specific game plan, what your game plan should be, and visit divabeg.org for free diabetes numerology game downloads. Tom, it's no surprise that your numerology game tonight is loosely based on Darlene's favorite film, The Sapphires, available on DVD and Blu-ray. To help get you in the mood, I've got a special song I'd like to play for you. Here we go. Your diabetes numerology situation. You're managing and, and playing keyboards for the Sapphires in Vietnam while they perform for U.S. troops. Your diabetes numerology blood sugar tonight is 301. What would you do? Um, I, 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 well, first of all, I wouldn't get on Malaysia Airlines, I'm just saying. But I, uh, <laughs> I know, bad joke, too soon. Um, I, so I, I, I actually am unsure with, uh, with the game. So what, what am I supposed to do? 301? Well, you've got a 301 and you're on stage and you're in Vietnam. So how would you manage your blood sugars? How do you manage a 301 when you have a 301 blood sugar? Oh, you mean my glucose level is 301? Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Uh, I, I would, I would, uh, calm calm myself and, and breathe, I would um, then wait until uh, I, I got off stage and got, let's say, to like my hotel room, and then I would, as soon as I got home to America, go to my doctor and, uh, and uh, see what, what I can do, like, let's say, a medication intervention or something along those lines. Okay, well, let's find out what the angels think. Patricia, how'd Tom do? Well, he didn't do bad. That's that's really good. Calming of the nerves and having uh, a sense of of tranquility is a good way to bring down the blood sugar. So relaxation is very good. Um, you should also always have uh, water that you have available to you to drink and to help to filter and dilute the bloodstream. So water would be a good choice. You're on stage, so it's not too much you can do right at that given moment um, because it's time to start playing. But uh, that little puppy that you have as your entourage will probably be a good tool for relaxation as well. Okay, and Marianne, what should people know who are um, who are traveling like long distances about and and traveling with diabetes? 
Well, you know, my daughter just got back from Vietnam, and I'll tell you, you don't want to drink the water. You want to make sure you drink bottled water, or you're going to have a whole other world of problems on top of your high blood sugar level. But generally speaking, if you're traveling for any great length of time, even if you're just going to the store and running errands for the day, you always want to take your meter and testing supplies with you. You want to take some source of fast glucose in case you have low blood sugar, and you always want to take a snack of some sort in case you um, miss a meal or you have a meal that's delayed a little bit. But if you're traveling um, longer than just for the day, if you're you're going on a vacation for a couple of days or, you know, to Vietnam, you're going to be there a couple of weeks, you want to make sure that you have at least double the amount of any kind of supplies that you might need, whether it's testing supplies or pump supplies or medications, you want to have at least double the amount. You probably also want to have that medication in its original boxes so that you can see the prescription, you can see the type, the amount of medication, the pharmacy number, the doctor's number. Um, It might not be a bad idea to take some other prescriptions with you, um, just so if you get, um, if you lose something or something gets stolen, um, you can go to a pharmacy and get more of what you need. That would probably be a really good idea. And then have a list of names and phone numbers of your medical entourage. So if you need to get a hold of somebody, you can get a hold of somebody. If I were traveling out of the country to Vietnam, I'd probably have some, I'd have something put in place so that if I needed to get medical attention, I'd know where to go to get it. I'd have a doctor, um, a doctor's number or a hospital number or the embassy number or something so that I have something I can draw on in the event I needed it. You really right. have to plan ahead. Great. And uh, Neva, did you have anything you'd like to quickly add? Uh, I just wanted to say that anytime you're under stress, you know your blood sugar will become elevated, even even if if it's good stress. So that's something you have to be mindful of. All right. Well, Tom, for playing our diabetes numerology game tonight and helping us raise awareness in a fun new way, you're getting a new Naturals gift basket filled with diabetic-safe, low-glycemic, tooth-friendly sweeteners, a cabbage cheese gift basket, and a sample of GlucoLife all-natural glucose tablets with no artificial colors, and Dr. Greenfield's diabetes diabetic products, which are specially designed for people with diabetes with sensitive skin. What do you think of your prizes tonight? I am so excited. Thank you so much. I never win anything. You just did. And you know what? I've got one more song coming up before I introduce my last guest of the night. It's from the Sapphire soundtrack, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's take a listen. Hello, Mama Rose. How are you tonight? Rose. Well, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. It's always so thrilled to have you on the show. I introduced you as Mama Rose, but it's Mama Rose Marie. Yes. <laughs> so are you happy with what stage of life you're in right now? Well, and I really, um, I, I do like the stage I'm in, but my, really my favorite stage is yeah, probably being in my 30s as a mother of young children. I, that was my very favorite stage to be in. But I'm happy with the stage I'm in right now, yes. Well, I'm glad I got to share that stage of life with you. <laughs> so Thank what is you. your mother, your, you mother your diabetes tip for this month? Well, for this month, I recommend that adults get eye exams every year or two, annually for those over 65 to maintain an optimal ocular health. Even if you have to pay for the exam, it's a worthwhile investment. It's the only pair of eyes you've got. Make sure you to save any receipts to claim as health care expenses on your income tax return, which is coming up. So um, that is my tip for this month, the mar- month of March. And um, I have to do that myself. I have to make a doctor's appointment shortly to check my eyes out for this year. So um, I hope everybody takes this tip to heart and check out your eye doctor. So with that, I am wishing you all a ciao for now. All right. Thanks, Mama Rose. 
Well, we're at the end of the show, everybody. I want to thank all my guests for being on tonight and ask my listeners to visit DivaBetics' Facebook fan and group pages and check out all my videos on Mr. DivaBetics' YouTube channel. Join us next month when we salute Nina Simone. Remember, every dude and every diva has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. We're going to close the show with one of my favorite songs, Tom, from the Sapphire soundtrack. I hope you enjoyed the message. Yeah.